When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Friday, and I'm here with Anna Navarro. This is Behind the Table. All right. Hello there, Anna Navarro. Hello, Brian Tetta. It is Friday. Today's show, I think the best way to describe it would be off the rails. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. It feels like a like a normal Friday to me. I guess you're right. <laughs> it was just a normal Friday. The audience was pretty uh, involved. And then the most heated conversation of the show today, really the season, was about Elmo, which I don't think any of us would have anticipated. What, what did you make of that conversation? Uh, you know, I don't know how anybody in their right mind can possibly defend <laughs> violently assaulting Elmo on live morning TV that children may be watching unprovoked. I don't know what came over Larry David. That's not good. People are really upset about it. So I think this is, you know, uh, women are from Venus, men are from Mars. I think this is a uh, comedians are from Uranus type of thing because I asked the comedian who was on our show as a guest. uh, Jack Whitehall. Yeah, Jack Whitehall. And he said he found it, he, in his British accent, he said he'd found it rather funny. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I did I really I think it was laugh. pretty horrifying. Yeah. No, and many, many people agree with you. So there we go. But Elmo's Listen, okay. Listen, as long as we're not talking about the Golden Bachelor, I'll talk about Elmo every damn day. I think we need to book Elmo, and now he's got to be apologized to by Joy Behar. We'll see what happens. Good luck with that. Yeah. And again, I'm lucky Whoopi wasn't on, because Whoopi is the biggest Elmo defender in the world, but a comedian who loves Larry David. So I'm curious where she'd fall on that. Um, all right. So you said on the show that you chatted with the president this week. That's pretty cool. Uh, just a typical week in the life of Anna Navarro. But what did you all discuss? Well, he was down in Miami uh, um, doing a fundraiser that was hosted by a friend of mine who's a businessman there. And he and my friend invited me to come as a guest. And I was really interested in going because I wanted to see Joe Biden speak. Yeah. Uh, see how he's doing. You know, you hear and read so much about how he's frail and he's incoherent and he's and this and he's that. And you see a five-second clip on Twitter of him right. stumbling over a word and people go crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So I uh, so I went. Mm-hmm. I went to hear him, his stump speech. And I have to tell you, he'd had a very long day that day. He'd, uh, he'd been in Washington doing a bunch of things. Then he'd flown down to Jupiter, Florida. Then he flew... To Miami, this was probably his last event of the day. It was like at 6.30 at night. I was tired as hell Mm -hmm. and falling over almost. Uh, He was in fine form. I found him to be uh, in really good spirits, optimistic. I found him to be doing something which I think he needs to do in this campaign, which is focus and tout his legislative accomplishments. Look, this administration and this president has is in my lifetime— the most consequential presidency, the one that has passed the most major pieces of legislation and gets the least amount of credit. And so they have to figure out a a way to message on that so that it cuts through the noise. Today, they just announced that there's like 350,000 new jobs for January, twice what was expected. 
They have to find a way for that to cut through. But so he was doing that, talking policy, talking legislative accomplishments, but also talking about the need to defend democracy uh, from Donald Trump and, and the threat that Donald Trump represents. And he kept using the word loser <laughs> to refer to Trump, mm -hmm. which I, I think uh, would be something very effective if he actually started doing it, not in closed door um, yeah. settings, but outside, right? Because I think that would really get under Trump's skin. You might call uh, Joe Sleepy Joe, but you know what you are, dude? You are a loser. You've lost this election. I, you know, I got 81 million votes. You lost. Uh, you've lost in court and you've lost your mind. So uh, I, I think he should uh, do that. So it was it was interesting for me to be uh, with him. I went up to him. Uh, he had uh, watched the vice president, uh, clips of the vice president on the show. Uh, had said he had enjoyed that. I asked him to come on the show. He said he'd like to, so we've got okay. to somehow get that uh, to happen. And I I told him that I thought his campaign slogan should be 81 versus 91. <laughs> 81 years old versus 91 counts that Donald Trump is indicted on. I bet he enjoyed 81 that. million yeah. votes that Joe Biden won mm -hmm. versus a guy indicted on 91 counts. So... That's my slogan, and I'm sticking to it. Whether they adopt it or not is their problem. I love it. And now we talked about Biden having a dirty mouth on the show today, and, and much like you said with the loser thing backstage. Um, do you think the president should—do you think it needs to be a little more PG out, out in front of people, or do you think that, you know, it doesn't bother you if they let it fly? Listen, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to bleep me every other day. I you do. know cursing doesn't do. bother me one bit. No. And I've known Joe Biden since I was a snot-nosed young woman doing lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill, and he was in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And this is who he is. Uh, he's a very passionate guy, Irish, Scranton Joe, working class. He woke, he, this is how he was raised. This is who he is. Um, I do think he shouldn't say these things from the presidential podium while, you know, giving a State of the Union or while uh, giving a press conference in the East Room or mm -hmm. something like that. But on the campaign, I think uh, I think it's different. And I do think he should uh, let some of this rip. Oh, that's great. Um, and by the way, I also think he is entitled to be pissed and to be cursing at Donald Trump. Okay. If Donald Trump had been a normal human being, a normal past president, former president, right. who accepts defeat, who goes uh, into his, back into private life to do good things like most other former presidents have done, mm -hmm. I think Joe Biden would have loved to turn the page on Donald Trump. But he has spent the last three years calling Joe Biden illegitimate, saying he's, he didn't really win, saying he stole the election, rigged the election, finding ways to further divide America. So I think Joe Biden has every damn right to cuss out Donald Trump in private and maybe eventually in public. All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, I'm going to teach him how to curse in Spanish. Oh, there we go. Yeah, because as we figured out, sometimes we don't catch it fast enough if it's in a different language. Um, all right. So you went to Madonna this week. Now, this was last week's big hot topic for us. How was it? And did she, in fact, come on two hours late? No, she did not come out two hours late. She came out one and a half hours late. Oh, there we go. Okay. Listen, it was 
fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you are a Madonna fan, and I am, I would wait for her anytime she wants. In fact, I'm thinking of going to see her again in Miami. Oh, that's great. I saw her in New York um, at the Madison Square Garden. And I just kind of like mentally, physically, emotionally prepared myself to the fact that she was going to be an hour and a half late. I, I knew this coming in, right? Right. And so... I went to dinner, had a great time, showed I showed up an hour late. Okay, so you're waiting half and, an hour. That's not it, too bad. It was, it was perfectly fine. Now, somebody, so I posted about this, and this has been cause of great controversy on my Instagram page because there's the, there's the people who are, you know, punctual mm-hmm. and want punctuality and think it's disrespectful, and then there's the people like me who don't care. I just want to see a great show, and she gave a great show. Right. She sounded great, looked great. The production was amazing. She sang so many of her classics, which I love because I hate it when you go see somebody who, whose old songs, you know all of them, and then all they do is sing stuff you don't know. Um, and somebody said to me, you know, Anna, in fairness, though, you're from Miami, where like a concert start time or a wedding start time is <laughs> Miami merely time. a suggestion. <laughs> Miami time is different than New York time a little bit, maybe. How yeah. do you feel about this? How how Who's your favorite um, artist, and how how long would you be willing to wait? Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I uh, I enjoy. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm a middle aged white guy. I like Billy Joel and and stuff like that. And I wait a bit, but I also do my research. Like before I'm going to see somebody, I Google. I go to the the list of their set lists and what time they came on for their last three appearances. I do this all the time. And I, uh, oh my God, you're OCD. Uh, I mean, I just kind of like to know what's going on. So, and also, if there's an opening act that I don't really care about them, I'll sometimes skip it. So, I'll want to see what time the opening act comes on, how many songs they do, um, and then go. I mean, I'm trying to think who else I went. Uh, Bruno, Bruno Mars, I went to, and that was a little bit of a wait, but they had uh, Dua Lipa opening. So, that was amazing. This was a couple of years ago. It doesn't really bother me, but I like to know what I'm getting into. And I do understand if you're on a Tuesday night and you got to work and get on a commute at six o'clock in the morning. It's tough to be out to one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So I will tell you, I think it's different depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think concerts in Miami don't start on time because the audience is never there on time. I've been to several concerts at Madison Square Garden, and with the exception of Madonna, I went to see Elton John there. I went to see Andrea Bocelli. With the exception of Madonna, they all start pretty much on time. If you start a concert on time in Miami, I kid you not, you will be singing to an empty arena because none of us would ever, it never occurs to me to show up on time for anything. Hell, we don't even show up on time for a Miami Heat game, and those things do start on time. I got to work with Madonna uh, one time, and it was so nerve-wracking because I was producing her for the David Letterman show, and she had had these legendary appearances there, and she's such an icon that I was extremely nervous, and I wanted it to be special. And we came up with this bit where she uh, was carried on like Cleopatra by the New York Rangers. <laughs> so they had hockey sticks and made a bed for her. And she was walked out onto the to the stage, which was tremendous. And then um, I was trying to find a fun story or something to do. And she admitted on the phone with me on the pre-interview that her entire life, having despite growing up in New York, had never had a slice of New York pizza. So in the middle of the interview, her and Dave got up and went to a pizzeria next door and and had a slice. I don't know if that was true or not that she'd never had a piece of pizza, but it was it was good material. It what is a out. New York pizza? I don't even know this. You've never like a New York slice of pizza. You've never had pizza in New York City? No. But what You've never had pizza in New York City? But what do you mean uh Like a, a like a, a New York pizzeria slice of pizza? But what's the what's the difference between a, a piece of pizza I would have in New York and a piece of pizza I would have in Miami? Well, in New York it's good. Oh. 
That's the difference. Oh. There's nothing better in the world than New York pizza. You guys all live with this this thing about New York that your bagels, your pizza, yeah, your this, your that. It's the water. That's the real difference. The water pier is probably full of sediment and God knows do you, what. Do, are bagels in Miami as good as bagels in New York? Why in the hell would I eat a bagel in Miami <laughs> when I could eat a croqueta or an empanada or something that really tastes good? All right, but you're not disputing the fact that it's better here. I don't eat bagels that much. What about pieces of pizza? Uh, I eat pizza in Miami. I like thin crust. Is, is New York pizza thin crust? Yes. You really have never had pizza in New York? No. No, you know what? I'm lying. I had that pizza that came for Sonny's birthday. How was that? Oh, that wasn't, I mean, that was good, but that was like uh, weird I pizza. I don't like pizza that's yeah. got, oh, I'm a pizza purist. Right. I like cheese on my pizza and basil leaves. All right, that's we're, all. We're going downtown like at some thin point. Crust? No, we're yeah, not going. No, we'll Take go, me we'll, somewhere fancy. Original Ray's we'll go to. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Oh, this is this is bothering me now. Um, all right. Speaking also of music, I just have to. A hot topic we didn't end up doing today was about Justin Timberlake, and um, then I had to just mention this. You could not name one Justin Timberlake song. You could not place a single Justin Timberlake song. Your pop culture blind spots continue. Okay, and you could not name one Mark Anthony song. So there's that. I could I, name I, all of them. I could do like you sang for me, like from like. The Runaway Bride soundtrack, thirty years ago. I don't know the the I don't know the Spanish language ones. He's all. got a new one that just came out this week called Punta Cana, which is divine. I'd like to go to Punta Cana. Are you? No, I'd like to. Okay, we can talk about that. All right. You're too white to go there. You gotta go get, get a <laughs> you gotta go get like a fake tan before you go because people are gonna look at you. You're so fluorescent. I get a really right good now. tan in the summer when it happens, but it just. It, it, well, right now yeah, you no, you you'd, in, you would stand out. I'm incandescent right now. Yeah, yes, that's not great. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. You wrote on Instagram this weekend that people were asking where Al was at an event you were at and that you have come to an agreement to avoid arguments about going to events. I understand this because you go to everything. Right. T tell me more about this. We have issues with uh, with with events, a lot of lots of issues, because we have different philosophies on how we do events. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like to get to the event and I like to I get there late and I stay late. 
He likes to get there early and he likes to leave early. And this was a cause for a lot of friction and arguments because I didn't want to leave. I like to close a place down. I mean, I was this this event I was at um, that people were asking about, where's Al, where's Al, was a Juanes private concert in somebody's backyard in Miami. Papa, you got to drag me out with a, a tow truck. I'm not going to leave before Juanes is done singing. Are you crazy? <laughs> and so Al and I have come to an agreement. We take Ubers or we have a driver. And he leaves before I do, and, uh, you know, he leaves when he wants, and I leave when I want. And there is peace in Cardenas Navarro household as a result. Oh, man. Um, Listen, the fact that you guys can— Would you and your wife ever leave at different times? I don't think we'd leave at different times. She doesn't necessarily want to go to things that I want to go to, and I don't necessarily want to go to things that she wants to go to. And we're usually pretty good about just making that decision, and she'll go with a girlfriend, or I'll go with someone else, or I, I'll just not go at all, which is usually what happens. Well, but, that happens a lot in our house, too, because yeah. he loves to go to football games, for example, that I have zero interest in. I, I Yeah, I can't get Heather to go to a, a football game. concert. She doesn't love concerts, either. There's a few people she loves, but other than that, she doesn't really enjoy it as much. She's all about Broadway plays. That's the thing. Her, the, she goes to a um, hundred musicals a year. Al refuses to go to most of the concerts that I like. He doesn't know the songs, and he and like Mark Anthony, he he doesn't like. You know, I love Mark Anthony. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like Maybe Mark that's Anthony. Why he doesn't love it. Well, that's part of it. Uh, he thinks he thinks Mark Anthony is going to leave Miss Universe for me. But also, he um, like he said to me once. Uh, Mark actually asked me once, why doesn't your husband come to these concerts? And I said, well, you know, he doesn't like you all that much. He thinks uh, he likes Pitbull because Pitbull has all of these scantily clad women uh, in the chorus singing and dancing behind them. And and Al finds that really entertaining. He doesn't like you, Mark. It's all you singing. Just, you know, no, no half naked women. And Mark turned to me and said, Mama, if Pitbull had my voice, he wouldn't need those women. You know, my uh, is that why you like Pitbull too? No, you know, I like the music. I honestly do. But the for me, for a concert for me, I need to know six songs. I think I need that's the number for me. If I know six songs like Madonna, I would have a great time at. I know all Madonna's songs. If I know six songs really well, I can sit through a two and a half. I'm getting a little worried about you. You really are OCD. I mean, you're so formulaic about everything. You need to know know. six songs. You need to research the last three start times for a concert. You realize. This is weird, this right? This is the way my brain works. I just need to... Oh, I just know. go. Yeah. I, I, I'm, if I don't know the music, I get bored. That's the thing for me. Like, I need to like know going in that there's like, you know, I, I, need, I need to be able to guess what the encore is going to be. I, I get into it. Okay. That. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm you're, a little you're, OCD. You're, no, you're crazy. All right. Um, this was exciting. You hit the runway for the American Heart Association's Red Dress Collection event. You looked fabulous, I have to say. And you said you ran into a few familiar faces while you were there. Tell me more about this. It was like a view reunion. It was wonderful. So Star Jones was there. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, she's had she's she's had very much personal experience with heart issues. Sherry Shepard was walking um, the runway as well and was sitting next to me in the in the uh, area where we were all getting glam. Sherry has been very vocal about uh, she's had diabetes and what that's meant to uh, to her life. And you know, diabetes can. Uh, often lead to cardiovascular issues. So it was, for me, a little daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, walking in a dress that I can barely breathe in and shoes that I can barely walk on in front of a bunch of people on a walkway, a runway that I've never done this before. I'm, you know, 
nervous as can be about it, just hoping to God that I didn't fall, didn't trip, didn't bend an ankle. There were so many things that could happen. And um, but it was a really important issue for me. When they called me, I immediately said yes, uh, because, as you know, and I feel I talk about this and we cry about it every every Friday. As you know, I lost my brother to a heart attack when he was 38. I lost my mom to diabetes and kidney failure and cardiovascular failure that comes from um, from diabetes a couple of years ago. And so I think it's really important that women in particular get educated about this, listen to their bodies, go get themselves checked. And so often women women leave themselves as the last priority because they're so busy taking care of other folks, mm-hmm. and, uh, their parents, their children, their spouses. And so it's important to put yourself first and your health pri- a priority. It's no, made right. a huge difference in my life um, to really start prioritizing my health. And it's got to uh, feel good to, to be at an event like that and know you're also doing good for something that's important like that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, and uh, now, is this the event where you ran into John Legend? Where did you run into John Legend? I ran into John Legend at John F. Kennedy Airport. Oh, you're kidding. I was leaving to Miami uh, early on uh, Tuesday, and he was coming. He must have been taking the red eye. He's actually working on a um, Broadway play so uh, that, that he wrote the music for, he told me. So uh, you're going to, I think, been, be hearing about that. But uh, you've got... Uh, John Legend story. Well, I, I'm very excited. I've mentioned this before. My uh, my uh, fantasy football league that I'm in, which was created by uh, Matthew Berry, who's like the godfather of fantasy football, and everyone except me in it is a powerful person or celebrity, including John Legend. And uh, I won. I beat all of them, and it's fantastic. You're so competitive. I'm, I mean, this was this was probably you know I in ranking the moments of my life, it's you know marriage, children, yeah, and winning an Emmy. And then winning this fantasy football thing. I mean, Whoopi's got the EGOT. I'm going to have the FIGOT. I'm going to get the the fantasy football <laughs> Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. By the so, way, you're a powerful man. Yeah. You uh, you managed to what to 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 um, to wrangle six women. Yeah, I managed to wrangle and six your women. wife and your daughters. Yes, and and I do a, a decent job of eh, all some of Some days better than others. Some days better than others. But uh, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty good about today that. Today you were completely feckless. Yeah, well, I was okay with that. You didn't even wear red today. <laughs> I have a red stripe on this shirt. The rest of us were in red in support yes. of the uh, Heart Association and Yeah, Heart I scheduled Month. the show where we started talking about it. I did my all part. Right, fine, this is the thing. Come on. The other thing that was fantastic, and you kind of glossed over it on the show. It made me laugh for 20 minutes this morning. In page six on the red carpet photos, there's there taking photos of all the important people that are there. And there's a photo of Susan Lucci with Cha-Cha. <laughs> and you're not in it, which makes me laugh. And then the caption says, Susan Lucci with Anna Navarro's dog. <laughs> which made me laugh so hard. Do you remember when this photo was taken? Were you nearby? Like, how did Susan Lucci get your dog? Uh, because my dog, bitch that she is, saw Susan Lucci <laughs> and immediately made a beeline to Susan Lucci. But she does this. You know, she does this. She sees... You know, she sees Ricky Martin, she'll jump on him. She's, I mean, she's like, okay. She likes the celebrities. She, oh, no, she likes pretty celebrities. Okay. Okay, she likes pre- She likes to be, you know, this dog's a slut. She yes. likes <laughs> to be petted, touched by everyone. She's a Cha-cha? good dog. She's here now, of course. Hi, Chach. Oh. Um, let's see. You also, uh, now, all right, we were talking about this because people like to hear what you guys are into, and you're obsessed with the show at the moment. Tell us about it. <gasps> Griselda. Yes. It is so good. It is so good. So it's a 
six episode series once i think it's one season i don't know if there's going to be more i hope there is starring sofia vergara as this real life queen pin drug queen pin <laughs> who ruled over miami during the 80s and 90s and was ruthless she killed anything and everything that came uh, that got in her way and i've enjoyed it so much because it's filmed in Miami. Right. It's places that I know or that I've heard of. Um, the you know I'm so happy for Sofia Vergara, and I'm just like, and I apparently I'm not the only one fascinated by this. I spoke to Luis Balaguer, who's Sofia's um, manager, asked him to have her on on the View, but also he's a co-producer of this, and he was. Uh, telling me that the numbers are just extraordinary. I mean, they're they're like number one in so many of the Netflix territories. It's one of the largest premieres, I think, that Netflix has ever had. I've heard it's great. I have to watch. And wait, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Here's the kicker. So the real um, drug lord's son, mm -hmm. whose name is Michael Corleone, because she <laughs> named her child Godfather. Michael Corleone, <laughs> is complaining that they made his mother look ugly his mother his mother has been played by Catherine seda jones mm -hmm. and by sofia vergara yeah and he's complaining please sign oh, there's me makeup. up there's makeup on sofia vergara in this. And, and kelly clarkson got into trouble i think because she said to sofia uh you know you didn't even have to do that much makeup and sofia got very mad <laughs> oh no 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 listen sofia will stop you in your tracks some uh a guy in um a a interviewer in spain made a comment about her accent and you know said you know don't you exaggerate your accent don't you i mean isn't your accent just too much in english this was in spain and she turned to him and said how many emmys have you won <laughs> so i just i mean she will take no crap from anybody if somebody played you yes and you who would it be oh gosh i don't know i don't want to um Listen, if Sofia Vergara can play Griselda Blanco, I think you should ask for George Clooney or Brad Pitt. I'd like Pitt. to upgrade, yeah. No, I'd like to upgrade. I don't know, I'd probably like Jason Biggs or something. I have no idea. Uh, Kevin James from 20 years ago? I don't know. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do I think? Yeah. George Clooney. What oh, the hell? Thank you. Look at you, Anna. You George see, Clooney. You I mean, are you kidding me? You think you're mean to me, and this is the nicest no, thing. No, are you? This is the nicest thing I've ever said Who would you to like you? for yourself? Julia Roberts. There we go. <laughs> I was going to go with uh, your, your buddy, Miss Longoria. Eva? Yeah, why not? Actually, that's a thought. She's yeah. very she uh, she could uh, she could play me without even it wouldn't even be too much of a stretch. Margaritas and yeah. <laughs> cussing in Spanish. At we some do point, this. listen I, I, down the line, there'll be a lifetime TV movie when I break and uh, <laughs> someone's playing <laughs> all of us on television. And Eva's got a dog that's the exact replica of Chacha now. So she's so, so there can even be so Eva's dog can play Chacha. I love it. Her all name right. is what's her name? Gala. Gala. Which was the muse of Salvador Dali. Oh, look at you. You see, you listen to the podcast, you'll learn. That's pretty good. Thank you for chatting with us today, Anna. The number to call or text us with questions is right here in the episode uh, description. We didn't have time for them today, but we'll be back next Monday. And uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. Behind the Table is executive produced by Brian Tedda. Supervising producers are Nathan Getty and Summer Shake, with production assistant Emily Darcy. The vice president of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi, and the executive producer of podcast programming is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Lori Hogan, Susie Liu, Meg Fierro, Molly Kaiser, Josh Cohan, Ariel Chester, Frankie Perez, Audrey Mostek, and Dana Schaefer.
As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. And we'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.